let's undertake another edition of Making Money. We join the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron, we've done shows on a lot of different industries, and we've talked about this particular industry on numerous occasions, but not in really great detail. We're going to talk about railroads, probably one of the soundest investments a person can make, correct? Over the long term, railroads are a very good investment because uh, one of the main reasons is they're a monopoly. You know, there's very few opportunities to replicate a railroad. In fact, I don't know how anybody could assemble all the land and the right-of-ways necessary to get a railroad completely across Canada and then all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. So, you know, railroads are a classic monopoly. And which means that when you're a monopoly, you don't have uh, 20 or 30 other companies scratching out and trying to compete in the same market as you. And of course, the more competition you have, generally the skinnier your profits become. So railroads are one of those industries where when you've got competition from in Canada, for example, there's only two railroads, you can pretty much set the price that you charge to make sure that you're making an adequate profit. And we want to talk about railroads because really they're the corridors that transport a lot of the goods and services that end up being produced in this country. Now, and, it, it, you know, I think, too, if people don't have reason to be near a, a, a main line of a rail system or uh, you know, have never seen the length of trains and the amount of cargo that gets moved on these things, it's mind-boggling to me. Railroads have been able to um, increase their profitability because they've done two things. They've added more cars, and as you've seen over the years, they used to have their loads. They'd have uh, single-decker loads. Now they're putting uh, these trailers. Doubling them. And they're doubling them, so they stack them. they're stacking them too high. So that's generated a lot of profitability for railroads. In fact, most people, if I were to ask them, Gord, what is the most profitable business uh, in North America? And I said, what, what do you think? Do you think that the high-tech companies like a Google or a Meta or a Microsoft uh, have a better profit or a bigger profit margin uh, than the railroads? I've never met anybody yet that said that thought railroads had a bigger profit margin than do the tech stocks. But in 2019, which is the last time I looked, railroads were the most profitable industry in the U.S., and they had a 50.9% profit margin. That's not bad. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you go to Costco, and they've got a couple of percent profit margin, and they've got to turn these goods over like 50 times a year to get their profits up. Well, railroads are extraordinarily profitable businesses, and they've cut uh, their cost to the bone. Uh, they have fewer staffs. They have longer trains. And their adjusted operating margins for the five largest U.S. railroads were 41% last year, compared with 29% 10 years ago, and 15% a couple of decades before that. So railroads have done a very, very good job, Gord, of steadily improving the profitability for every ton or or uh, rail car that they move down their rails. 
You know, I, I ran into a couple of guys I played golf with a couple of years ago, both worked for CN. And I said, you know, the days I grew up, my uncle used to work for the railway. You had brakemen, you had conductors, you had different, you know, components on the train. Now there's two people. <laughs> there's the yeah. conductor and the engineer in the locomotive. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they, like I say, their ability to bring down costs has been amazing. And, of course, we're in an environment right now where energy um, is – you know, oil's $80 a barrel. It's been as high as $120 a barrel. And, of course, everybody is looking at the energy costs very, very closely to ship things. And moving freight by rail is four times more energy efficient than moving it by railway or moving it on highways by truck. And it really, an order of magnitude, higher than uh, if you hold it with, an, with uh, aircraft. So, you know, there's lots of positives to investing in 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 rails and of course you know railways are the only economic way to haul loads like grain and lumber and fertilizer and base metals that stuff you just can't haul enough of it by by truck and there is no other feasible way to move that until you get to tidewater um, so rail has um, a monopoly characteristics on so many things that they haul so that's why rail has been such an attractive investment for so long. So those are the positives about railroads, Ron. Obviously, every side of the coin has, there's two sides to every coin. What are some of the negatives about railroads? Well, rail is, uh, you know, if you need something, move quickly. Trucks will get it to where you want it to go a lot faster than rail cars will. And, of course, Aircraft are even faster. Yeah. <laughs> aircraft are even faster, and, you know. Railroad unions for years, uh, because they've been downsized and downsized and downsized, are pushing for bigger pay. Uh, they averted a strike in the U.S. for a lot of uh, the railroad unions, and they agreed to a, a pretty substantial increase in both salary and benefits. And, of course, this is going to lead to higher costs. Labor costs represent about 20% of revenue. That's expected to go up. Uh, customers... I mean, we've heard for years, especially farmers in uh, the areas where they're trying to get grain moved, that service is really poor, and the prices are high, and of course, they're starting to push back, and uh, you know, you've heard on both sides of the border where there's been discussions about uh, government invention and intervention to put caps on some of the charges, so... Uh, you know, there are some headwinds there. And, and, of course, the last one, it's unlikely that profits can get that much better because trains can't get much longer and their loads can't get much higher. And labor costs, if they move up dramatically, uh, that's all going to put a cap on profitability. But they are a very, very profitable business. So we here in Canada, we, we talk about CN and CP. They're, they're the only two that we have, really, of note. I think BC Rail has a small system that runs provincially and perhaps other provinces do as well. But CN and CP are the two big ones, and there's other big North American players, right? Yeah, in North America, if you, if you take a look, there's, uh, there's really six players. And one of them is Burlington Northern, but it's privately owned by Berkshire Hathaway. So the only way to get a piece of its uh, business is to own Berkshire stock. But in Canada, you've got... Canadian National, which is CNR, and it trades in Toronto. And 
for a lot of people, there's no need to go any further than to look at the Canadian railroads because typically the American railroads have been purchased, uh, going after Canadian talent. And Canadians have historically been known to run the most efficient railroads in the world. So you get the Americans poaching Canadian talent, getting them to go to the U.S. to get their costs down. So if you want to own some of the best players in the industry, you do not even have to go south of the border. CNR uh, currently is 21 times earnings. It's yielding 1.8%. CNR has 19,000 kilometers of rail in Canada and is the uh, largest Canadian railroad. CP's a good organization, too. I mean, they just keep trucking right along, right? Yeah, they're, they're, Canadian railroads are getting more expensive, and certainly CP at 33 times earnings. It's got a, a meager dividend, and the reason its dividend is only 0.8% Gord is because uh, they've been raising the dividend meaningfully every year, but the stock has been going up so much faster than the dividend has been going up that the, the dividend still looks like a meager amount. Uh, and that's just because the, the stock has had such uh, tremendous performance. CP made an excellent acquisition in Kansas City Southern, and it's going to give them access to the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. So they're going to have three areas that they get access to, the Atlantic, to the Pacific, and the Gulf of Mexico, and they're going to be the only railroad that will be able to say that they're um, they they have tide water in those uh, those those three big bodies of water. I guess the big one down in the states. I think we've all heard of Union Pacific, right? They're they're big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think how big CNR is with nineteen thousand uh, kilometers of track. Um, Union Pacific is the largest railroad not only in the United States but also in Canada. They've got 32,000 kilometers of track. Uh, the U.S. stocks, because the U.S. markets have been beat up more than the Canadian markets have, Union Pacific, which is UNP, and it trades on the big board in the United States, it's only 17 times earnings and has a yield of 2.6%. So uh, that is the, the big player. There's also Norfolk Southern, NSC, and they're uh, 17 times earnings, yield 2.3%. And their geographic footprint is they serve the Atlantic and East Coast ports. So they're essentially uh, more of an East Coast running up and down uh, the Eastern Coast, which really is still is the industrial center of the United States. So it's a very significant uh, railroad as well. And CSX, I, I had not heard of that. I've probably seen the letters on the side of a car somewhere and didn't know what it was. So, Yeah, CSX, uh, here again, uh, they operate rail lines down from Ontario all the way to Florida. And uh, the symbol is CSX. They trade in the U.S. Uh, they're 15 times earnings. So they're out of the five we looked at, it's the cheapest. They have a yield of 1.4%. So what's the best strategy to go here? Uh, this is something that's you, you buy when you get a dip of the market and you hang on to, right? Yeah, I mean, that is the best strategy, Gord. We call these kind of stocks core holdings. In other words, because they're monopolies, you buy them. And my strategy is that any time that you get a dip in price, you add to it. So you take a small position and add to it over time. And, of course, 
you know, it's not a bad time to start implementing that strategy with a number of the holdings you have, simply because, you know, it looks like, you know, I mean, we talked about this on previous shows, that it looks like we're in a recession, and this recession could be around for a while because it doesn't look like interest rates are going to come down anytime soon. So this is a perfect environment to dust off your portfolio and start looking at some of these the names that you have that have pulled back or sectors that you've always wanted to get into but have been too highly priced. Uh, you know, we've seen as much as a, a third shaved off the, the price of some of the major indexes in North America. So it's certainly a time to start looking at where you can find the bargains or even if you don't own any of these stocks, start making a list of some of the ones you want. And that's what we try to do on this show. We just literally try to go through sector by sector, look at the positives, look at the negatives, look at the major players. So if you want to get an education on the major sectors in the Canadian and U.S. markets, uh, listen to this show because if you go back over the last four years, you'll find that we're it, we've covered just about everything, and the stuff we haven't covered, we certainly have on our list to do in, as the years go on. When we talk about the profit margins, Ron, hauling the freight's one thing. If you've ever looked at taking a train trip in Canada and seen the cost of it, <laughs> like if you wanted to go across the country, you'd better have deep pockets. They know how to charge for it, too. Yeah, have you ever taken, uh, I mean, I've taken a, a train to, uh, when I was a kid, I took a train to Calgary a few times, and I've taken I've taken the train to Vancouver, but I've never taken the um, the cross Canada I'm, trip. I've never taken the cross Canada trip, and I've never gone all the way from uh, Alberta all the way to uh, the West Coast on rail either. And those are quarters, sort of on my bucket list that I you know these classic things that you'd like to do. But, you know, looking at the cost, you've got to take a really deep breath and make sure your wallet's deep before you attempt something like that. Absolutely. All right, my friend, we're back again next week with another edition of Making Money. If you have a show suggestion or something you're kind of unsure about, feel free to drop us an email to letsmakemoney.ca. That's our website. Or hook up through cfcw.com where the show is hosted and we'll be happy to get to it. Might take us a little while, but we will get to it. We're back next week. We're going to take a look at engineering, another industry sector that we've talked about in the past, but we're going to focus a little more on that. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.